in patience. Welcome to 9021 Here We Go, the podcast that takes a look at each episode of the Beverly Hills 90210 franchise from Fox to the CW. See, and what's fun about it is that one of us is a 9021 expert, but the other, 9021 novice. Yeah, see, that's the that's the thing with the podcast. The yeah. The I'm Kendra Mickles, yeah. and I'm seeing these episodes for the first time. And that works perfectly because I'm Nick Gunning and I've seen them all. Every single one. All of them. (laughs) You can find more about this show and others like it at our network's website, RadioMeanwhile.com. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Twitter at HereWeGoPod. And please rate, subscribe, and share the show wherever you get your podcasts. Today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 10, The Dreams of Dylan McKay. And as I've said before, we're getting to a point where my memories of these are a lot, like they snap in a lot more. I Mm -hmm. specifically remember this one. Like everything that happened, I was like, oh, yeah, there's that part. (laughs) Hard not to. He repeats several dreams like five times. So True. Yeah. Yeah. And you you already don't like Groundhog Day. so (laughs) That's true. That's true. I I don't like that movie. Anyway. All right, let's crack open the Condor. Condor is committed to professional standards and professional ethics. A week need not apply. This episode originally aired on November 9th of 1994. One birthday to me- mention, Jessica Loundis, who plays Adriana in the CW years, turned six. Okay. Just a wee babe. Mm-hmm. One movie to mention, The Santa Claus, starring Tim Allen. One of my wow. favorite Christmas movies. Bond a franchise. I love that movie. How do you feel about the sequels? Um, I get them confused. The second one, what happens in the second one? The second one is kind of a... He has to get married. Plot. He's got to get married and he has like, he rides one reindeer... Yeah, I saw that one in theaters and I did not like it. And I did not see the third one. The third one has Martin Short, right? Martin Short. I didn't see that one. I feel like I've seen that, but I wouldn't put money on it. But I've seen the original a million times. I love it. So good. It's It's one of my must watches at Christmas time. Oh, a must watch. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, TV wise, November 10th, Sesame Street had its 25th anniversary celebration. Who is your favorite? Uh, are they Muppets? Who's your favorite? They're not Muppets. I mean, they are. Who's your they favorite are. character on Sesame on Street? Sesame Street. Hmm. Boy, that's a that's a tough one. I mean, I always liked Grover as a kid. Yeah, Grover's always, a solid choice. I might have to say Ernie might technically mm. be from the olden days. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Big Bird uh, was was always a favorite, but oh, Grover. Bird. I did have uh, some Grover books that I read. When I was yeah, well, the, the monster, monster at the end of the book. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. There was that one and Big Bird's uh, Book of Red or Big Red Book, something like that. Do you know mm-hmm. that one? Maybe. That's where Big Bird is like talking directly to the to the reader. Yeah. He's at a park bench trying to find something in his grocery bag that's red. And behind mm-hmm. like a tomato truck crashes into like a fire truck. <laughs> you know, it's just like all sorts of like everything red. It sounds hilarious. So, pretty fun. Pretty fun. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We have some video games to talk about today. Some best-selling video games from... From November of 1994. Oh, specifically from November. Okay. According to Babbage's. I loved Babbage's as a kid. Are you young enough to remember Babbage's? No. It's like a pre-GameStop, you know. Oh, sure. Okay. It was super cool, though. They had movies and everything. I loved it. I'll take your word for it. Donkey Kong Country for the Super NES. Oh boy, if you're a Donkey Kong Country fan, pop over to the Dust vs. Tweak uh, 
YouTube page and you can listen to old episodes of Radio 64. Yeah. Donkey Kong Country music gets a lot of play. Oh, yes, for sure. Power Rangers for the Sega Game Gear. Oh, Game Gear. How I loved you. How I loved you. And. Color screen. (laughs) 12 batteries per session of playing. It was a golden age. What? Golden age. You had to use different batteries every time? So the original Game Boy, you know, was just like the green screen and it, it would run on, I think, two AA batteries forever. I mean, if hmm. you still have one, you're probably still playing in those original batteries. Sega Game Gear, because like the graphics card was better, it was full color. It took six AA batteries. And I'm not kidding you. Like you'd play that for an hour <laughs> or two and the battery light would like be flashing already. Was this a, a handheld? It was. A oh, OK. I was like, yeah. why can't you just plug it in? Um, and then we have FIFA International Soccer for Panasonic 3DO. 3DO, Panasonic 3DO. What's yeah. 3DO? Well, it was. I think technically the 3DO was the first video game system to use discs. I think it beat Sega CD and, and some of the others that were right in there. Hmm. And it had its moment. It had its moment. Like Gex entered the Gecko was really popular on Panasonic 3DO and you know FIFA International Soccer here, but ultimately. Uh, it folded pretty quickly, and I think it was just kind of a lack of games, you know, which mm. was a problem with, like, all the, you know, like, Dreamcast and all that around this time were just not pumping out the games that Sega Original and Nintendo managed to do. Gotcha. You know, I don't think we talked about that when you came to visit me a few weeks ago, yes. um, you and Eric played that X-Men arcade game that we talked about. We did. Yeah, yeah, we went to this great arcade and we played that and we played uh, Street Fighter versus X-Men, a lot of good stuff, but the, that X-Men 90s arcade game and The Simpsons, they also had Simpsons there, which were like, my childhood arcade was called Aladdin's Castle and it had <laughs> both of those and like every birthday party, every time we were in the mall, my friends and I used to fish in the fountain and try to get quarters so we could play those games until security, <laughs> until security told us not to. <laughs> Well, was the 90s. What ask do? ask forgiveness, not permission, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you yep. guys kept trying to get me to play with you, but I was very you weary wouldn't. at that you point. Yeah. Well, we had to wait forever for these stupid kids to get off the game. And then when you finally got on there, we had been there for a while, and I was, like, falling asleep, yeah. standing up. So, yeah. yeah. You don't want to creep into Kendra's nap time. That's really... That's I know. Crucial. That's dangerous territory. You don't, you don't want to hunt. I did. I think we came back, and I did take a nap. So, yeah. And if you're ever near a hungry and tired Kendra, woo, get out of Dodge. Look out. Get out of Dodge. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nick, take us beyond the zip code. I will. Manish DL, who plays Raj in the CW years, played Ryan Ray in the AMC series Halt and Catch Fire. This was a show, uh, again, AMC series when they were doing all their prestige shows. Uh, it follows some of the leaders of the 80s technological revolution. I feel like this was more of a niche show with very devoted fans. Eric loved this show. He, Your husband, Eric. Yes, he really loved it. The, <laughs> the, uh, the, um, he'd probably be embarrassed for me to say this on the air, but the uh, finale made him quite emotional. He welled up. Quite emotional. So, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. I guess go watch Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look at the synopsis for The Dreams of Dylan McKay. Dylan survived the ride down the hill, but is found in a dangerous, unresponsive state. As the gang struggles to cope with their fear and regrets, Dylan is trapped in a frightening fever dream that dredges up all his pain from the previous season. 
However, he conveniently forgets to dream about Brenda. <laughs> Elsewhere, Steve and Rush make up just in time for Steve to hit him up for the seed money to run the peach pit after dark. Okay. All right, who's living in Beverly Hills, Nick? This episode was written by Charles Rosen, directed by Scott Pollan, which answered a question for me because in one of the fever dreams, there's a wedding scene and we'll get to it. The officiant, the minister, whatever, was played by Scott Pollan, who is Corey Randall in the series. And I'm like, why oh. is Dylan dreaming about Corey Randall? Like they never had any connection. It made no sense. So <laughs> weird. I thought that was going to be relevant at some point, and it wasn't. But Scott Pollan, who plays Corey, I Randall, didn't even, I didn't even so. notice that. There's well, a lot going on in the up. dreams. True. He's uncredited. He's not credited as playing Corey Randall or the officiant. Weird. Uh, so I, yeah. So I don't know. It's just I found it more confusing than like, oh, it's yeah. Him. I just being like, but why? <laughs> Anyway, this is one of four episodes that Scott Pollan directed. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, as far as the main cast, we don't see Ray. We don't see Jesse this time around. Barely see Donna. She's only there yeah. for some kissing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so That's right. We'll get there. <laughs> There's a lot of questions about what happens in these dreams. But our recurring players include John Grise as the dope dealer. I was watching this with captions on. And he's in the captions, it says Mr. Trilling, which is what IMDb list says. I don't think they ever say the name, but the captions do call him that. So maybe that's the. Is he the one who's in all the dreams and trying to make him go to the light? The dope dealer guy. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, who is this? I couldn't even remember who it was. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's the guy from the billiards club. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Got it. We have Noli Thornton. She's back as Dream Erica McKay. Dylan, help me. Help me. Looks like the size of E.T. whenever you see her. It's <laughs> really weird, like that dress and everything. I know. We, <laughs> we also have Carrie Keene back as Dream Suzanne Steele. David Hayward back as Dream Kevin Weaver. We have Denise Dows, weirdly, back as Dream Miss Teasley in a turn that makes absolutely no sense. We have Josh Taylor and Stephanie Beecham back as Jack and Iris McKay. This is the second time we see ghost Jack McKay. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Who else? We've got Judd Allen back as Rush Sanders. Real Rush Sanders. Yes. Not Dream Rush Sanders. Real. Right. (laughs) Ryan Brown as Morton Muntz. And this one is confusing because, again, I don't know if we're playing on an existing character here or not. But Robert David Hall plays the beggar who's there like, oh, can't you spare some change? Did not understand that beggar. Didn't understand it either. Didn't understand the altar boy thing either. Nor did I understand. Well, I was that. hoping that you would understand that. So I can't help you. I can't help you. But Robert David Hall, who plays the beggar, has played a teacher in two episodes. And meeting Mr. Pony in the game is chicken. He was the teacher. And I was like, so is that supposed to be some sort of callback? Really hmm. weird use of characters in the dreams. Yeah. Don't even get me started on Tarted Up Donna because I don't <laughs> get that at all. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's uh, I think that I think I covered everyone. Yeah. Recurring cast. Alrighty. Uh, new recurring players. We have Kristen Dalton as the med student. Jamie Young, best known for playing Dana Bright on the series The Dead Zone, and uh, roles on CSI New York and Hawaii Five O and lots of other things. Pretty active IMDb page for Kristen Dalton. In a couple of one-offs, we have Clayton Roner as Doctor Fox, who I guess is incompetent, but that's not really relevant to the plot. I anymore. get. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. 
Uh, best known for playing Detective Vince Biggio on Murder One and the various spin-offs of Murder One. We have Carol White as Nurse Bethany. Lots of classic TV roles. This lady, I, I recognized her and I didn't know why. And when I was looking her up, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I've seen literally everything she's ever done. So that's probably why. <laughs> but she was in shows like the Mary Tyler Moore Show, Love American Style, Starsky and Hutch, The Love Boat. Probably best known as Rosie Greenbaum on Laverne and Shirley. All I like I songs. like Love American Style. I know Love American Style has a really good theme song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I should have mentioned this back in our our other segment, but in my yeah. continuing uh, binge of Criminal Minds, I came across yeah. another 90210 alum, Gabrielle Cartieras. Uh, did not have a fun time in oh. season five, episode seventeen, oh. "Solitary okay. Man." Season five, wow, good for you. You really. <laughs> oh, I'm on season good. six now. I've watched okay. a lot since since are, that episode. Now that episode, I said the other two like weren't too scary. If you wanted to watch them, this one was a little scarier. Uh, really, scary. a little darker. It's about a guy who's. Uh, kidnapping women because he's trying to find his perfect mate but if they don't match then he kills them Dead. Dead. so wow that, talk about your criminal minds <laughs> yeah kendra your your viewing as of late has been confusing to me yeah because you know kendra if, if you're not friends with kendra on social media usually posts whatever movie she happens to be watching that night that's true but recently you watch just like heaven is that the mark ruffalo yes it is movie? Yeah, it was my it was my pick, and, and Eric had never night, seen that movie, so I picked it. The next night you were watching Elizabeth. <laughs> that was Eric's me. pick. See, that's what we do. Okay. We usually we usually bounce back and forth and do his pick, my pick. And he's been talking about pick. wanting to watch Elizabeth for weeks. So okay. finally, actually, it was funny because we were he was going to pick um, the Mila Jovovich, Joan of Arc movie, The Messenger. It's oh, Mila Jovovich, right? That and that, right. and I was like, watching people get burned at the stake is one of my least favorite. I will avoid it at all costs. And I was like, huh. please don't make me watch this. And he was like, okay. So he picked Elizabeth, and literally the first scene in Elizabeth is people getting burned at the stake for being Protestants. And I was like, damn gum it. So he fast forwarded through it. <laughs> wow, what a life! What I know, life. I know. Wow. Hey, tonight we're going to see Cop Shop in theaters. I don't know what that is. I, did, I, I saw a trailer for it, but I couldn't tell you about it. But I'll let you know. We tried to watch that Hugh Jackman thing that's on HBO Max. Rem, Reminiscence. Oh, my gosh. It, see, here's the thing. Oh. Once you accept it for what it is, I think Bad? it's all right. Did you finish watching it? We didn't finish watching it. We watched it. that one in theaters because, as you know, just... Eric loves Hugh Jackman. Um the thing with this movie is the script is so clearly written to be noir style, and the movie itself is not noir style at all. So, like, they say the lines, the yeah. over, you know, the overdubs or whatever are happening, the voiceovers, and it's like, can you just go watch the Maltese Falcon and come back and try this again? Like, what are you doing? So we didn't actually get through well, it. Well, I, like, once I kind of accepted that that's what they were going for, I felt like I had a better time with it. I went in thinking it was going to be more action-y. And it's not. It's very slow. It's very yeah. slow. Um, I don't know. I liked it fine. We then switched to Cry Macho, starring Clint Eastwood. Oh. It was not an upgrade. Really? It was not an upgrade. Bummer. I finished it. My, my wife was like, I think I'm going to peace out on this. <laughs> uh, I did make it through. The thing is, with that movie, 
It's an old book. Clint Eastwood was, was going to be in it like in the 80s, and they finally made it. They did not adapt it to the fact that Clint Eastwood is 90 plus mm. because he's like breaking wild horses and like falling in love with women and getting in fist fights. And I'm like, the man is as fragile as a saltine cracker. And you're putting him on like a wild horse in Mexico after he like beds three women and punches a guy out. Like, what is this, an Elvis movie? Stop. Stop. I don't know if we're going to go see that one in theaters. We have the AMC Stubbs membership. So pretty much if it's out there, we're we're trying to see it. I um, could see there being a good movie in there. And if Clint Eastwood had made this in the 80s, I think I would have really enjoyed it. But as it is, it's just like you really have to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Are you excited for James Bond? Sorry, we're so off topic. I know, but we're doing it now. We're I finally it, saw know. all the Daniel Craig ones. I hadn't seen Spectre. Oh, okay. um, so I finally saw it. So I'm ready. I, I am excited about it. I mean, I've been pretty disappointed with the Daniel Craig movies post Casino Royale. Um, I, I, I like Skyfall probably the best of the others, but like Quantum of Solace, I've got nothing good to say about. And what's Spectre? Spectre, I also thought was pretty lame. Well, I really didn't like Skyfall when I first saw it, but rewatching it this time, I liked it more. Yeah. Um, and I like Spectre. I, Did you? Okay. I hadn't seen it before. And mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. So I'm yeah, I'm excited about the last one and I could see doing a Daniel Craig rewatch. I don't think I've seen I'm it. also not like a a diehard James Bond fan, so like the whole villain <laughs> Daniel Craig, the, <laughs> the whole villain reveal in Spectre, like who who that guy is oh, yeah. and why he's doing what he's doing. Like that bothered Eric, but for me oh, I was me just too. like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, you could see it coming from a mile away, and they still treated it like they still treated it like a twist. And it was like, who are you twisting this for? Yeah. Who does not know this? And I guess the answer was Kendra. It was me. Yeah. Well, so, now we now we know what C stands for. I guess so. so. That's true. Nine oh two one. Here we go. Okay, let's do it. Let's get into this episode. Okay. Okay. So we start with uh, firefighters, EMTs. They've got Dylan on a stretcher. He looks great for flipping his car off a cliff. Convertible top was down. Suits him. He looks. He's looking great. He should be just a ball of of bones. But no. Topless tumble down the Hollywood Hills, and he's fine. No, he's fine. Um. But so they get him in the ambulance, they rush him to the ER, and they're like working on him. And that's like, that's the cold open is them getting him to the ER. After the intro, there, so he's in a hospital bed now, and Jamie, the attending or whatever her title is, she is talking to residents, students about, you know, or not students, what I don't know. The residents, you know, doctors in training, uh, as they do in scrubs all the time. They surround a bed and talk about the problems with a patient. But then somebody else comes in and is like, not to not to rain on your parade, but there's this guy in the next bed over that you guys really want to see. So uh, and this is the annoying doctor, right? That comes in the incompetent doctor and so takes the residents away. And Jamie and this other nurse are talking about what's going on with Dylan. They really they, philosophical couple of I know. Well, they can nuts. see that he's dreaming, and it's it's a funny acting choice from Luke Perry because he's like his yeah, eyes are yeah. moving like he's like yeah <laughs> he's like they're slightly open and he's moving them around like he's having yeah. a seizure. 
but yeah, they're like, he's dreaming. And Jamie says, you know, shamans believe that when anytime you're unconscious, you're in a battle for your soul. Mm-hmm. Cut to our first dream. <laughs> There's many okay. dreams. I've kind of numbered them. The start of this dream, I was kind of like, okay, uh, this this has a real eerie vibe to it. I like it. But I feel like as they progressed, it gets very much like student play. Yeah. <laughs> a little. Not about. But okay, let's start with dream one. So the first thing we see is Miss Teasley is there. She's dressed as a doctor and talking to him about, oh, hey, you're awake. And then Suzanne and Kevin enter. Suzanne and Kevin are in pretty much every dream that he has throughout the whole thing. Which uh, makes total sense to me. I've got no yes. problem with the role Suzanne and Kevin play in this. Miss Teasley makes zero sense. Yeah. <laughs> has a, I think it, they were just like, let's get at, as many people in here as we can, as many comics as we can. why wasn't she a good character? Yeah. Why wasn't she like the good angel being like, no, leave him alone? Yeah. But she wasn't. Yeah. Then he hears Erica calling out for help and he just starts freaking out he jumps out of the bed he's running through the hospital knocking everything over and then dream number two he's suddenly on these train tracks and we see these train tracks like 50 times he hears erica calling for help and she keeps saying like if you love if you ever loved me if you were ever my brother help me help me and we she's in this dress that you're you were right describing it like ET because it's a super long white dress. Yeah. It's 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 like an adult dress. Yeah, I didn't understand the reasoning behind that. It doesn't look flowy or anything no. like that. It looks like she's standing in a hole or something. It's really it's a weird visual that I don't understand. Yeah, so we see the same thing we see every time we get in these train. It's like a tunnel, train tracks. We hear yeah. Erica. There's a homeless man who keeps asking for can you spare change for a army vet or something and this is the actor who played the teacher in multiple episodes yes whether that's on purpose or just coincidental i don't know yeah dylan keeps walking and then we see the drug dealer and Mm -hmm. he seems to be dylan's cue in this episode who keeps popping up and telling him to to do things in these dreams. But he's telling him to save Erica. I guess I if he don't... saves Erica, that's like he's dying. Like he's trying to get him to walk towards the light. Okay. All right. It's not clear. <laughs> oh, it isn't. There's not a through line on these dreams. Yeah. Like what he's working through is not clear. Yeah. Back in the hospital, as Dylan's having these two dreams, um, Jamie says that he looks familiar. That never comes back into play. Mm-mm. I thought she was going to be like, oh, yes, I knew his dad or something. Yeah. But no, that doesn't come back into play. Okay, then we go to Brandon and Steve's storyline, which is a flag football tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, the keg house is playing. Brandon is not in the fraternity, as we know, but he is playing on their team. Hey, and is, he still, is he still student body president? I just, I'm just curious. Who knows? Okay. Yes? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Because like three episodes ago, he served a subpoena to a foreign dictator. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, okay. Yeah, but as one football. does. Okay. Yeah. All right. As they're playing, David and Claire are making a video essay about the flag Good. football tournament. Good. 
And Claire is kind of mocking it as she does this voiceover intro for it. But David, I thought this was out of character. David doesn't want to make fun of it. He's like, this is serious. Like, they're out here to play. And, you know, this is a big deal. And I was like, would David care at all about this flag football tournament? I could see him. If it was like an assignment, I could see him taking the assignment seriously. Can I ask a follow-up question? Is David a pop star? No. Because a few episodes back, he was on tour with Babyface. <laughs> not, we're not. Okay. Yeah. Not not currently. Okay. Claire makes a comment. Why are the Why are they wearing their jock straps outside of their shorts? And David says, "Those are not jock straps. Those are the flags that you have to grab." It doesn't she make says, any sense because oh. they look nothing like jock straps. They're just flags on their side. Yeah. Nothing on them. <laughs> yeah. No. They decide to quit while they're ahead and not do any more filming. And then enter Rush Sanders. There he is. His voice. It just, it makes me laugh how like pompous and he sounds like a Zap Brannigan type character. Yeah. I appreciate that reference. He does. Yeah. And he, you know, he's, he's there for the game and he is, Steve didn't tell him about it, but he found out somehow and went back when he was playing, they won this tournament and he's very excited to be there despite uh, the chagrin that Steve feels. And he gives Kelly a hug. He can't believe that Steve let Kelly go. Steve ever let you go five years ago. (laughs) At the Walsh house, Jim and Cindy are having a conversation. He caught her smoking. Yeah. Cigarettes? He caught her smoking? I think it is. Well, maybe he just saw the smoke and assumed, but I think... He said he smelled it, though. Oh, he smelled it. He said he smelled it. He said he walked in and he smelled it. So she wasn't smoking pot. I guess not. Just cigarettes. Just cigarettes, maybe. (sighs) Man, she's making a lot of bad decisions. So she walks in while they're having this conversation and says again that she's very sorry. And she started doing it after her dad died. And Jim's like, well, I just want you to quit. Like, don't quit for me. Quit so you'll have a long and healthy life. And then we get a phone call from Iris. Valerie answers the phone and it's Iris. Dylan's mother, Iris. Yes. At the Peach Pit, Steve and the gang, well, I guess Steve, Brandon, and Kelly walk in, and Steve's talking about how annoyed he is by his dad and uh, that whole situation. And as they walk in, he's asking Nat for burgers, but Nat and Andrea are there and say that Jim just called to tell them about what happened to Dylan. Yes. Cut to the hospital. And Jim, Cindy, and Valerie are at the hospital talking to Jamie. And she's telling them what happened and how he's doing. And they get to go in and see him um, while he's laying there. And he, again, he looks great for crashing his car off a cliff. His face, perfect. His fa- They didn't yeah. put a scratch on his face. Put squ- bruises, scratches, yeah. do something yeah. to his face. Branches and brush and everything. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. And then we get dream number three. Dylan and Valerie come over to the Welsh house for Thanksgiving and bring some sort of food. I don't think it ultimately goes anywhere, but a lot of cool things about this scene. So I like this sort of ethereal, like there's always fall leaves, like rushing around wherever they are and like falling from the ceiling and everything. The thing that I liked the most 
is that all the pictures on the wall are just empty frames. Are they? They are. It's just glass with nothing in it. So you just see the nail that they're oh, hanging on. Weird. The I didn't even I didn't even notice that. And I appreciated that. I thought that was like a cool little thing. Yeah. So they they walk in. Jim's carving the turkey, and they say hi. And Cindy says, "Oh, there's somebody else here." Kevin and Suzanne are sitting yeah. in the living room, and oh, they're all super chummy, and they're talking about how well their company is is yeah, doing. And bad. yeah, this it is. is. Yeah. Then the the doorbell rings, and they say, "Oh, that's probably Erica, because mm-hmm. she walked over by herself or something." Yeah. So. Dylan goes to answer the door and Jim is still carving the turkey. And what's what creature is in the turkey? Is it a snake? snake. Okay. There's a snake. snake, Yeah. Crawling around. I just wrote gross turkey. It is gross. Yeah. Yeah. So he answers the door, but it's not Erica. It's the drug dealer. Oh, no. Dun, dun, dun. And then we go to dream number four, which is a flash, uh, just a straight up flashback of Jack. McKay exploding yep. in his car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we go back to the hospital where the where Jamie is telling the Walshes and Valerie that they need to let Dylan have some rest. Yeah. Later on at the hospital, Kelly and Brandon are there to see Dylan. And Brandon is talking about he has an hour to get back for the tournament, but how can he play football it, yeah. at a time like this? And, you know, Josh just died and now they're back and another friend might be dying. And Kelly says, let's not bury him yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he still could pull through. Right. Valerie comes out and says that there's no change. And Brandon goes somewhere. So it's just Kelly and Valerie talking. And yeah. she... Kelly asked Valerie, you know, what was it like when you were mm-hmm. in there? And mm-hmm. she says, you know, I it just I felt like he knew I was there. Yeah. Valerie also blames herself that yeah, she this says happened. Only in my case, like it's not making things better; it's making it worse. Yes, and you know, takes the blame for it. And Kelly, again, it's kind of her response. I feel like is a little self-serving because she's like, "We did everything that we could," and I can't stress enough how not true that is. <laughs> Because they yeah. only did the intervention, which obviously was not going to work for Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody was just like, let's spend time together. Let's go to lunch. They yeah. Kind of like, he's a garbage person and we're going to ignore him or we'll do an intervention. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of lame. She also says, you know, it's not like you knew he was out there on the street doing all these things, yeah. which she kind of, I mean, she drove him home so from she, the hospital. Yeah, and she left. I mean, when she left him and she was like, you've got your little friends, you don't need me. She knew that he was drunk and that he had just like, I I don't know, did like Grubhub for pot. Yeah. (laughs) And he was bringing it over. Yeah. Uh, and so she not for pot for for harder stuff than that for harder stuff you're right yeah Yeah. Yeah. so valerie's like yeah it's not like that (laughs) she also asked kelly a very personal question she asks if kelly still loves dylan Mm. she's like you're still in love with him aren't you yeah and she kelly is saved by the bell here just yeah but is it cindy cindy asked her a question and is like you know, are, are you going to go in there or something? And Kelly pauses and looks at Valerie and says, yes. And I kind of felt like she was answering Valerie's questions a little bit. Oh, maybe. I thought it was serving a dual purpose. but Maybe. Maybe you're right. Yep. So, yeah. So she goes in and holds his hand. 
And that leads to dream number five. He is having a memory of swimming in the pool with Kelly and choosing her. It's always been her. I've always wanted you. Yeah. And even watching it in back, I was like, well, that's not true, though. But still, it's a great scene and a good line. Yeah. Cut to, he is, well, Kelly is walking down the stairs of the Walsh house in a wedding dress. Yeah. And walking into the living room, Jim is there giving her away, I guess. And Dylan is standing at the, at the, the yes, at the end. This is where I was like, why is Corey Randall the priest? Yeah. Before I knew that he was the director. So funny. I'll have to go back and look at that because I didn't even notice. Yeah. Back in the hospital room, Brandon arrives and is sitting there with Kelly and they're kind of talking. So back in the dream, Dylan's like, what's going on here? And Brandon is actually marrying Kelly. Yeah, and Dylan's kind of in the best man spot. Yes. And Kevin and Suzanne are there. And Valerie is also there in a wedding dress. She's got her sparkly, sparkly ring. And she's there to marry Dylan. I think it's Kevin who's like, well, you're the best man, so I hope you remember to bring the rings. And Valerie's like, well, if he didn't, I've got one. Yeah. <laughs> and then as Valerie's talking, she, like, sounds like Brenda or, like, her voice is all weird. She no, keeps saying like, she's Brenda. It's more like, I'm Brenda. I've always wanted to be Brenda. <laughs> so at least Brenda gets an acknowledgement. But I think it's a real mistake to not have part of this dream him, like, looking for Brenda. And yeah. Especially in the later scene, but yeah. So then we're back on the train tracks, and we hear Erica calling. We see the old vet asking for money. Uh, we hear more Erica, and the the drug dealer is like egging him on to go. She, he's he's like, she's right there. Just keep following the light. And he does follow the light, and it he wakes up in the hospital bed. But then very quickly we see Kevin and Suzanne and Miss Teasley. And they are trying to inject him with something and kill him. Or no, is no, no, no. This isn't the gun part. This is a different part. But um, they're trying to kill him, basically. Right, yeah. They're trying to inject him with something. Back in real life at the hospital, Jamie and the other nurse are talking about Jamie wants to give him something. She said the doctor said it was okay. And they're kind of arguing about what to give him. Right. And... Is it, I think it's Kelly and Brandon that Jamie is talking to. And she says, they ask how he's doing. And she says, well, he could be doing better. At the Peach Pit, Nat is talking with Steve. And he's worried about Dylan. And Steve said, Steve is still trying to get Peach Pit After Dark going. Even though Dylan is obviously out. <laughs> Dylan right. has yeah. no money and cannot contribute. Andrea is very disgusted that Steve can be thinking about Peach Pit After Dark at a time like this. I, mean, I actually liked that Steve has a desire. Steve yeah. has something that he like has a purpose, has a direction. I think he's lacked that for a long time. So I like that he's being like, yes, this is sad, but we've got a great deal here and I know I can do it. I liked it. Yeah. Nat is not convinced. He says, maybe we should just walk away, cut our losses here. You know, Dylan's out. Let's just do that. Steve just wants 48 hours to get the money. Yeah. To get the Peach Pit After Dark going. And that gives him 12. Mm -hmm. He asks where Steve's going to get this money. And he says, well, if it comes to the 13th hour, 
I guess I'll have to ask Rush. Back in Dreamland with dream number eight, according to my count, Dylan is going to the car that his dad blew up in to move the car. He gets in and starts it and nothing happens. Then he looks over and the drug dealer is sitting next to him. And he says, please don't put me back in that tunnel. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he has other places in mind. So they go to, is it the pool hall that they go to? Where are they? Like, I don't know. It's just like, a, it's an all red sex room. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, every woman he's ever been with is in this room dressed in lingerie. And he just like looks around and sees himself making out with all these women. And then Kelly comes and says, oh, but I was your favorite and starts kissing him. And, and, then, and then she says, let's go take a shower. Let's go take a shower. Yeah. On their way to the shower, Valerie cuts in yeah. and says all sorts of stuff to him. And then he falls down on the pool table. And then there's Donna on top of him in her underwear. And is like, oh, you've never had me. I'm the only one you haven't had. And yeah, yeah. and then it's and then it's Suzanne yeah. on top of him, and they're trying to inject more stuff yeah. into his arm. See, first of all, like if you're gonna do something like that, maybe get a couple of past guest stars that Dylan's have has had relationships with. Yeah, I mean, just this season, he's had these like one-off flings, and like you could probably get those actresses back. <laughs> and there's like a couple note like noteworthy like romances that he's had that I think like if you're gonna do the scene you have to do it. And this is where I feel like he should have been like, Where's Brenda? Where's Brenda? Yeah. And the dope dealer could have been like, Oh, she left you, man. Yeah. Like obviously. <laughs> obviously. But to not address it at all, I think was I don't know, it bugs me. Because they're usually good about handling Brenda's absence. And this one, I think they really dropped the ball. Yeah. And I thought the whole Donna thing was very strange, especially because it seems like I don't know, like just to have her in her underwear when we haven't seen her do anything like that yeah. because, I don't know, like her dad is in charge of the show and like, I don't know, I just thought it was weird. It was. I, it felt a little gratuitous to me. When I, like, whenever I, I see... see a Donna scene. Like, yeah. Like, whenever I see scenes like that, I always think about what the actors must have been feeling yeah. and like how weird it probably was for them to just be like, all making yeah. out with Luke Perry. Like, <laughs> we get to make out with Luke Perry today. <laughs> I think, I feel like if you're going to have Donna, you also have to have Andrea. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing with that. And I feel like then maybe you could have said, like, oh, there's these two that you've respected or whatever. But they don't do that. So, again, it's like pick a lane and they can't. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then, then he's back on the train tracks again, sees the homeless man, hears Erica, blah, blah, blah. Back at football practice, Rush is there and he's showing the guys a play that worked for them back in the old days. And as soon as Steve walks up, he makes a comment about, oh, your quarterback should have made a playbook for you if he really cared about the game. Mm -hmm. And Steve just cannot, he cannot handle it. He's like, he always comes in here and he always messes with me. It's always at my expense. So he and Brandon are kind of having an argument about this. And Brandon is like, you know what? I don't even need to be here. This isn't my fraternity. I don't have to play this game. Right. But they decide. And why is that allowed? I yeah. Guess this is my if you can have a ringer. I want to see the rule book for this flag yeah, football me tournament. Me too, Kendra. <laughs> 
But they decide, you know what? This Today is not about Rush. Today is not about Dylan. This is just about me and you playing this game. Mm-hmm. And Brandon talks about, you know, this is not the, these aren't the golden college memories I want to look back on. <laughs> All right, back to Dreamland with Dream number nine. Back to Miss Teasley, who now has a gun. And Kevin and Suzanne are telling her to shoot Dylan. Is this the part where she's like, why am I even here? I was yeah. mean to him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I feel like even the character has to be like, hold on. Can I just <laughs> quick question? If I'm let's uh, let's check the show Bible on this one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but she so she won't shoot. And then when we pan back to her, it's the drug dealer. And he's like, well, I'll shoot him. Mm-hmm. And he does. And then we're back on the train tracks. He's following the light. He this time he does give money to the homeless man. Who says, can you spare something for a altar boy? I think there's two, though. There's two. Oh, there's two? I thought they were the same. I don't think so, because there's a... Maybe maybe it's the same guy both times. I feel like it wasn't, though. Because there was the guy up on, like, the... There's the altar boy guys in the tracks, and the Mm -hmm. other guy is up on the platform. I felt like they were two different people, but maybe they weren't. I don't know. It doesn't. I guess in my head, I thought they were the same. It was hard to tell. Um, Because it's dark and they've got on a hood and their face is all dirty and stuff. So he does give him some money and keeps walking. Then we see David and Claire walking on the tracks. And first time we've seen characters interact with the dream. Yes. Yes. And they're talking about, oh, we should film something here. And David says, I think the Gin Blossoms already filmed a music video here. And then their voices are switched. So David is talking with Claire's voice and vice versa. And then we go back to the hospital in real life. And it's because Claire and David are in the room. And that's just like a quick, like we see them there. And then we go back into the dream. He's in the pool hall. Kevin and Suzanne are there dressed like biker people, which really made me laugh. It's because Kevin's dressed like a biker, but he still has that, like, Geraldo mustache. <laughs> and it's just so funny. Yeah. And he he has to make, he makes the, the pool shot. And then, once again, they're, like, holding him down on the pool table, trying to inject mm. him with this needle. And Donna's, like, in the corner, just, like, sexy dancing and giving right. him looks. And then Claire comes in. And it, like, gets on top of him and was trying to kiss him and trying to pull him away. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Like, these characters have not interacted. I'm fairly confident they haven't even had dialogue together. No. And then he sits up and Erica is there. And he's just, like, very upset that Erica is there. And back in the hospital, his vitals are going crazy. His body is freaking out. And they, the, nobody knows what's wrong with him. The, the incompetent doctor wants to give him a bunch of shots and Jamie's like, you're going to turn him into a vegetable if you keep mm-hmm. giving him these shots. And the nurse is like, should we call the other doctor? Should we call the senior doctor? You know, and he's like, no, I can handle it. Yeah. <laughs> then we see his car go off the cliff and then we see uh, he's flatlining and it's back in the dream. He's flatlining, and Kevin, Suzanne, and Miss Teasley are there, just kind of watching him flatline. And then he dies. Like in the dream, it's like he dies. I hear if you die in your dream, you die in real life. I've heard that too, uh, but I don't. 
understand the scene where he like apparently dies in the dream. I'm not really sure what they're saying here, but uh, okay. I don't know either. At the football game, the game is going. They're they're holding on. It's zero yeah. zero. They've been playing. There's like 40 seconds left, and it's zero zero. This if, is in Kendra. You're much more of a sports fan than I, but this is the most sweatless game of football I've ever seen. Their <laughs> hair looks great. Their t-shirts are dry as a bone. And they're <laughs> for their lives out there. It's that great California air. I guess so. Yeah, it's, it's moisture wicking, I guess. <laughs> so Jim is there to watch the game, and he and Rush are talking, and he ends up telling Rush about Dylan and how he was at the hospital. And Rush says, oh, Steve didn't tell me that. And they have a little conversation about, you know, it really makes you appreciate what you have yeah. kind of yeah. thing. I think the point of that scene was just to soften up Rush. Yeah. Scene, which I thought we already did in the golf episode. but Yeah, I know. It seemed like a retread. But I guess we're doing it again. Yeah. So, Steve, they're trying to figure out what play to do. And he says, hey, let's do that play that my dad taught you guys earlier. So they do the play, slow motion, Brandon catches the ball, they win, they're in the finals. At the hospital, he's he's stable, or he's like, I don't know, they don't know what's going on with Dylan. The doctor's like, there's no scientific explanation for what's happening right now. Right, right. It's, it's a battle for his soul. Yes, clearly, battle for his soul. Back in dream world, Dylan is once again getting in the car. It explodes this time. He's back on the train tracks. We hear Erica asking for help. He gives the guy money. And the drug dealer's there. And he's like, hey, you know what? If you go help Erica, if you go towards the light, I won't try and shoot you up again. Right, like, right. I won't try and give you that shot again. And Dylan decides to keep walking towards Erica. But then he turns around. And who's there but his father? Who was the homeless guy? Apparently, sometimes he, he gave was, the yeah. money to. <laughs> yes, but he gave the homeless man money on multiple occasions, and he didn't turn it into Jack. So I don't yeah. know why he does now. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. We haven't seen Jack. We haven't seen Jack Ghost since commencement. Oh yes, so it's been a while since yes. we've seen Jack. So it was kind of, it was cool to see him. I'm glad. Yeah, it was same actor and everything. So. The sweatsuit he died in. Yeah. <laughs> he's so excited to see Jack and he gives him a hug and he's like, I just can't. I just can't do it anymore. I tried. I can't do this. And Jack says, yes, you can. You just got to keep trying. So Dylan you know turns around and walks the opposite direction. Walks the opposite direction. I feel like, given the way they set everything up and kept seeing the car, I was hoping that, and I remembered it this way, actually, so I must have wanted this all along. <laughs> I thought Dylan was going to get in the car and Jack was going to be in the car, and they were going to have a scene with them in the car that explodes. Oh, I yeah. thought that was going to happen, and I just feel like, structurally, I feel like that would have been better than Jack just being the homeless man for some reason. Yeah. And having to be, I, I don't know, I just feel like that would have made more sense to me, so it took a little bit of bang out of it for me. But well, the whole, we the whole homeless man stuff didn't make sense at all. Right. I didn't understand no. it. Like, no. what was it supposed to represent? I don't, I don't know because if I mean we're led to believe that the dream sequences represent a fight for Dylan's soul if that's true where was the good right like everybody was pushing him to bad and there was nothing that was pulling him in the other direction because Erica 
Like going to Erica was a symbol of him dying. Doing drugs was a symbol of him dying. Being in the hospital with Suzanne and Miss Teasley was a symbol of him dying. So where was the good? Yeah. And if it was supposed to be the homeless people, they're really portrayed as like skeevy and manipulative. Yeah. And he gives them money on multiple occasions and it doesn't affect anything. So mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Okay. Back at the hospital in real life, his vitals are now back to normal. He's Great. out of the woods, mm -hmm. it seems. At the football game, this is post-game, Munts brings everybody drinks, and they're going to give a... Steve says, I'd like to make a toast, and somebody says, rye or sourdough? <laughs> uh, That's a good one. So he toasts Rush for the game-winning play, and then Rush toasts Steve. Mm-hmm. And uh, all is forgiven. Yeah, and actually, Steve says, to my dad, the nightclub owner. Yeah. yeah. Which and Rush, Rush is, is like confused saying, about. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, I don't remember when, but Steve says something along the lines of, oh, things keep up as we are. We're going to be in deep poop. <laughs> I just thought that was a funny thing to say. Deep poop. So, my, yeah. uh, my, my fantasy football team name for the past, like, however many years has been R2 Deep Toot. Huh. There's a, it's, I guess it's a long story about that one, but there's a Fairly Odd Parents episode where huh. one of the characters, her, she's doing the deep gonna, throat. Tell the long story. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, okay, do, okay. she's doing, like, the deep throat thing, like, meeting in a, you know, yeah. parking garage and wearing the coat and everything. But her name is Tootie, so she calls herself Deep Toot. Deep Toot. That's pretty good. And so then I, when I was trying to think of names, somebody said R2 Deep 2. And I was like, that's it. That's my fantasy football name for the next forever. I just wanted to let you know that in society, when somebody says it's a long story, that's usually that usually means they're not going to tell the well, story. Well, I felt it was worth more, telling. You were saying it more as like a settle in. Yeah. Long yeah. story. Prepare yourself. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that long. No, it wasn't. Is the episode over? Is that it? Almost. So Jim okay. and Brandon are you know looking at steve and and rush and yeah. commenting about their relationship and then they head back to the hospital the last oh, scene the last scene is dylan wakes up and iris is there yeah. and he's like is this real is this real life and iris says yes it is real life but then we see jack Ghost sitting in a chair in the Ghost room yeah but then he disappears yeah he's a so he saved Dylan's life once again. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's the episode. That's the episode. Okay. Kendra, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I mean, so much of the dream stuff, I feel like could have been better done. Like it could have been, oh. it could have connected better. Sorry. No, no, no. I meant what's your review of the Kate Blanchett film, Elizabeth. Oh, uh, oh, well, been, let me tell you. No, no, that was I, a good movie. I, I, okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, I agree with you. I just think that the dreams fell apart. Yeah. They didn't mean anything. They were presented as if they had meaning and they did not. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so that was kind of a bummer. I feel like maybe they were just, I don't know, throwing, throwing stuff at the wall. Yeah, I think they were. That's why I said a student play, because it was like there was all these little elements of like, well, yes, that is cool, but it doesn't connect to anything. Like it doesn't have meaning. Right. Like, visually, okay. Or like even in the moment... Like the Dylan Dylan Donna stuff was like, well, that is interesting, but it doesn't have any bearing on what's going on, and it doesn't have any meaning in the real right. So, 
I guess this is one of those episodes that I'd put like while I was watching it, I was interested in what was happening and I was enjoying it, but it's a poorly written episode, I think. I wonder if this is setting up like he's going to try and find Erica or something. Because it seemed like the whole thing was save me, save me. But to save her was to die. So. Right. It could have been that that was like, that's where he, because he's telling Jack, like, he can't go on. He doesn't have a reason to go on. Like, a quest to save Erica could have been the thing that was like, I got to clean up because I got to go and save my sister. I totally buy that. But that's, again, in the dream. Not what happened. Yeah. Going to the light. Yeah. Confusing. Like, it's like this episode was accidentally put on shuffle. Yeah. (laughs) Go back and put the pieces in the right order. It would make sense, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yep. 90210 snap. I mean, um, maybe. I mean, I I guess I would say Donna is the shock, the shocking moment. It's very shocking. It's very shocking. Sure. Let's go with that. Okay. All right. Boy. When, uh, when we're not talking about 90210, Kendra, what are you doing out there in the world? Oh, you know. Crunching numbers, making spreadsheets. That's right. Yeah. Uh, no, that's just what I was doing today. But um, <laughs> I am Miss Musebox91 online, and I have a website, MissMusebox.com, and a Etsy page, Miss Musebox Crafts. And I am also the co host of the podcast, 90s Music Got Me Like, where each week we talk about a different 90s song. Most recently, we talked about Zombie by the Cranberries. Oh, okay. So hop over there. You can also, like if this wasn't enough, me and Kendra talking about the movie Just Like Heaven in today's episode, (laughs) uh, and you want to hear Kendra and I talk about other random things, she was on the most recent episode of This Andorian Life. Yes! Kendra, Kendra, Steve, and I talked about a truly terrible episode of the Ewoks cartoon. Wasn't great. Find that wherever you get your podcast. Recording it was great, but... uh... It was. It was a good time. It was a good time watching the episode. Not so much. <laughs> so that's that's where you can find me. And you can find us both back here next week as we continue our 90210 discussion with season five, episode 11. Hate is just a four letter word. Hate is a strong word. Four letters. 902 and here we go. Okay.